Welcome to Strength for Today's Pastor, conversations with current senior pastors and leaders which will strengthen and help you in your pastoral ministry. And now, here's your host, Bill Holdridge of Poyman Ministries. Welcome to podcast number 100 of Strength for Today's Pastor, and I'm Jeff Jones, the editor of Strength for Today's Pastor, and today's special guest is none other than your host for the last 100 episodes, Bill Holdridge. Bill, I want to welcome you to your own program. (laughs) Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be welcomed. (laughs) We're going to take some time now and just go over and talk about some of the old podcasts, but we're also going to just uh, get to know Bill a little bit on this uh, celebration podcast of Strength for Today's Pastor. And there has been many, many wonderful testimonies that have been uh, written in to Bill and just God's faithfulness over the last two years. I mean, 100 podcasts in two years is a remarkable achievement, Bill, and I just rejoice in what the Lord has done through Strength for Today's Pastor, and I congratulate you on this, and I know, Lord willing, if he tarries, there'll be many more to come, but uh, what a great work that God has done. I appreciate that. You know, I just was in a conversation with a missionary down in South America, and he talked about listening to a podcast that I did with a pastor in Idaho about small groups. And that was so inspirational to him, what this pastor had shared in the podcast, that he's totally reorganized the whole structure of his church. And they've opened up small groups, and now probably 70% of the people in the church are involved in small groups, and they're just growing like crazy. That's an amazing uh, testimony, and that's just one of the ways that this podcast has reached a lot of people. I want to talk about the beginning of the podcast, Bill. What was the catalyst that inspired you to begin a podcast? I mean, most people start a podcast. It's a celebrity. It's a ball player. Uh, you know, it's the popular trend of the day. This is not your run-of-the-mill subject that you would listen to on a podcast in today's society. However, this is one of the most important podcasts that provides strength, literal strength, spiritual strength to people who are in the trenches uh, in their pastoral ministries. What was the catalyst that, that kind of got you to uh, begin this uh, venture of faith, as Pastor Chuck Smith would say? Well, it was only because of the love that I have for the church and that our team has for the church mm-hmm. and realizing that the greatest way to help the church, the single uh, straightest path to help the church is by strengthening pastors. And so I thought, well, I don't want to do a podcast for the masses. That's what this, this is not about that. I want to do a podcast directly aimed at pastors to strengthen them. So that's why we're going in the direction we're going and have gone and will always be about that. I don't have any interest in doing a podcast on fishing or, or, or Dodger baseball or anything like that. This is really the most important thing in ministry in my life. Now, when you began your first podcast, can you remember that first podcast when you actually produced your very first program? What was that like? I can remember it. It was, uh, (laughs) well, it was a work in progress, technically, but it got done, and I was very, very impressed by that episode from the perspective of the the pastor that I interviewed, Al James, one of our Poyman team members, and and uh, to date, 
that particular podcast series that he did with me is among the most listened to podcasts that we've done. So it wasn't because of the technical genius of it or excellence of it. It was because of the content. It was really good. Here's something else I'm interested to know. What is, you know, over 100 podcasts now, what is what is one of the major things that you learned? Uh, or what I should say is, is, what is one of the biggest surprises that you have learned after interviewing so many pastors over the last few years? Maybe it was a common trial or there was something there that you didn't know existed before you started, kind of caught you by surprise, you know. For me, I think it was, after editing the program so many times, I think it's the amount of dedicated pastors that exist in our great country who are faithful, godly, humble men who God is using, even though their churches are not that large. That's mm-hmm. that's a takeaway for me. But what about for you? Well, I, I'm not surprised that there are a number of dedicated pastors because I've I've known many pastors over the years in, in 45 years of ministry. But what has been a pleasant not surprised so much, but just a blessing to, to understand is just how many great pastors there are of churches that we would call small churches. And in fact, I've, I've realized and become convinced, Jeff, that some of the best pastors in the world are probably pastors of what we might call smaller churches. They're faithful, they're fulfilling the Great Commission, they're reaching their community with the people God has provided them to, uh, to equip. I mean, they're just doing great work. The second thing that has been a blessing, and this was sort of a surprise, is that I realized that because the average size church in America is more like 70 people rather than the size mm. of a medium-sized church in the three to 500 people range or the size of a large church in the... 600 to 1,000 people range or a large church or a mega church, the average size church is 70, 75 adults. So following the lead of Carl Vaders, who wrote Small Church Essentials, I'm not calling them small churches anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm calling them normal-sized churches. And that has been a blessing, and it's been a blessing to me, and I think it's hopefully a blessing to the pastors who hear this, freeing them up from the idea that if they're not a mega church or a large church pastor or even a medium-sized church pastor, their ministry isn't relevant. It is very relevant if human lives are changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and people are equipped for ministry and they've grown in maturity as Christians. It's very, very vital ministry. What do you think the number one issue that pastors today have to deal with? They struggle with, um, you know, maybe they keep it inside. I think that isolation is one of those things that really is one of the devil's um, tools uh, to keep a pastor from progressing or opening up, lest he, uh, you know, he, he grow to another plateau of victory in his life and ministry. But what's, what's one of the number one things that today's pastors have to face? Well, I think the biggest issue that the enemy of our souls puts upon pastors is discouragement. There's no question about that, discouragement. Discouragement is often driven by what you just talked about, Jeff. It's the isolation. If pastors are connected with each other in, a, in an authentic human way, they realize that all, that all of us pastors are very similar. 
we struggle with the same kinds of things. And that provides a huge reservoir of encouragement for us. So I would say don't be isolated. But in addition to that, I would say that the cultural role of the senior pastor in America is an impossible role to fill. It's impossible. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's not possible to be an expert in all matters. It's not possible to know everything about or even a lot about every particular subject. It's not possible to do all of the counseling for all the people that need counseling and personal ministry in our churches. It's not possible to be a CEO, a CFO, a COO uh, at the same time, as well as be a caring pastor, people-oriented, and a worship leader at the same time, and all of the other hats that pastors are culturally expected to have. And on top of that, they've got to have a perfect family, and they've got to have all of these ducks lined up in a row. That's a cultural expectation. The biblical expectation of a pastor is to have a great Christ-like character and be able to teach and equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so I think if we can strip the pastorate from its cultural expectations and put back into the pastor's heart the idea of what the biblical and Jesus-oriented expectations are, it helps with the discouragement issue as well. That's a great response and uh, very concise and very applicable, and I agree with that uh, 100%. When you're choosing to do a podcast, how does that process play out in your mind? How is it that... uh, you know, you come up with uh, each and every individual podcast. One of the things I love about this podcast, Strength for Today's Pastor, it's kind of like a digital pastor's conference or retreat. I mean, 24-7, someone can go to Poyman Ministries and they can listen to any one of those 100 podcasts and glean and get equipped or listen to a like-minded pastor who's there to encourage them from their testimony. It's very powerful it's very in the moment, and it's very relevant. You've done a few podcasts on the BLM movement that we had recently, also the COVID uh, pandemic and how to respond from the pulpit, you know, the limitations and the freedoms that we have, um, even regarding the political divide that we have here in the United States of America. So how is it that you decide some of these um, programs? How does the Lord move you to do that? That's a that's a great question. Uh, two ways, primarily. One way is is just what's going on in the culture that pastors I know are dealing with, and I know that because of having conversations with them. So when that is the the driving force behind a podcast, then I I ask the Lord to lead me to men that can be helpful in addressing that issue in a podcast format. The second one is uh, is also organic in the sense that. I have a firm conviction, Jeff, that every pastor that Jesus has called and is being used by Jesus to pastor effectively a flock of believers has a lot to say to other pastors. They may not think they have a lot to say to other pastors. They may not see themselves as having a lot to say to other pastors, but they do. So my attitude is, let's get these guys in a recording session. I'll, I'll figure out what questions to ask them. I'll send them the questions. I'll find out if they're comfortable with the questions. We'll have a pre-podcast interview session together, and then we'll have the actual podcast interview. And it's wonderful 
I get so blessed to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to other pastors through pastors that are pastoring now. So the field of pastors that I know become really the resource for the podcast. I want them to shine and I want them to tell their story. You know, it's interesting to me. One of the greatest podcasts for me was the brother who serves as a pastor in Pahrump, Nevada. Yeah. What is his name? John Gundacker. Yeah, John Gundacker. You know, I'm sitting here editing that program, and I'm just so blown away by his maturity and his wisdom and how the Lord just blesses this guy in Pahrump. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's that's almost a place that, you know, man, that's almost a place that I'm sure some pastors pray, Lord, send me anywhere but Pahrump, Nevada. You know, it's just like, and here he is just fulfilling his ministry and the Lord using him. And now his story can be told and shared. And, you know, for me, it encouraged me greatly. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I, I knew John had a story to tell. I was there in Pahrump. I thought, let's do a podcast together, John. And he was blown away that I asked him. And so I remember that podcast session, Jeff. I was in one room with my cell phone recording into my <laughs> cell phone. He was in another room with his cell phone recording in his cell phone. And we're watching each other in a Zoom call. Yep. And um, then we sent both sides of the interview to you and you you patched them together and made one yeah, one yeah. podcast episode out of it. But it was great. It was wonderful. It was very in the moment. It was very spontaneous. But I knew he had something to say because I have great respect for John as a pastor and as a man of God. Yeah, that's just uh, amazing. So, uh, again, dozens and dozens of other like-minded podcasts that are there for your listening edification. We encourage you guys just to go backwards and check out some of those archived uh, messages. I want to switch gears a little bit, and I want to dig a little bit deeper now. We've been talking about Strength for Today's Pastor, the podcast, but this is all born out of a ministry called Poiman Ministries. Um, First of all, the name is a little unusual. Uh, Whenever I mention it to some people, you know, they ask what it is. It's kind of an unusual name. Why don't you spell the name out, but also tell us how you came up with the name Poiman Ministries. Well, the the word is spelled the way we are using the word. It's spelled P-O-I-M-E-N. Poiman is how we're pronouncing it, but it's really... uh, it's an English form of saying a Greek word, poimain. And poimain would be spelled P-O-Y, accent on the second s- syllable, M-A-N-E, poimain. I've ordered that once at a Chinese restaurant, and they didn't get what I was talking about. <laughs> Not, no chicken poimain there to be offered up. Yeah, so poimain. And what it is is the Greek word for shepherd mm-hmm. or pastor. So the same Greek word translated pastor is the Greek word that's translated shepherd. So in the Gospel of John, for example, chapter 10, when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd gives his life for the the sheep, uh, he was saying, I am the good poimain. And literally, it's even stronger in the Greek text, it says, I am the poimain, the good one. I am the shepherd, the good one. Or I am the pastor, the good one. 
He's the supreme one. He's the exalted one. He's the head pastor. He's the lead pastor. He and he alone is really the senior pastor. So all of us who are earthlings and performing a pastoral duty, we are working under his ministry. So that's why we called it Poiman Ministries, because it's a ministry to pastors who are under shepherds to the Lord Jesus, who is the pastor, the good one. What was the year that uh, Poiman Ministries uh, came into being? How long have you been uh, overseeing this ministry? We formed in 2008. Um, I had retired from the pastoring of, of the church in Monterey, California, that I'd pastored for 27 years. And so I thought, I have this idea. I've been reaching out to pastors for years and just in relationships, friendships, and whatever. Guys have called me from time to time for input and feedback on diff- different things. So I thought, you know, what about developing a ministry to senior pastors? I mean, it's really an important ministry because, you know, we all need help and encouragement. So I reached out to Pat Kenny, who had retired from the church he had pastored for 30 years in Escondido, California, and to Gillette Doggett, who had pastored the church in North Fork, California, and then before that, Calvary Chapel, Rialto, California. And I wanted to just ask them what they thought about my idea, get feedback from them. So we met together in Visalia. We found a central place to meet. We met in Visalia and had a nice time together, wonderful time. I shared my ideas, and they absolutely loved it. And so they jumped in with both feet, and so they became the other board members on our our formation board, and we went from there, and we just started doing it. We started functioning more like a team in communication with each other. And then other pastors who had retired from their churches also started hearing about this, They reached out to me, can we be part of this? We love what you're doing. And it just kind of grown from there. We have 10 on our team now, and we've got several in the queue waiting to to be part of it when when the right time is from them uh, to do it. And and so that's how it's grown. That's when it started, 2008. Wow, that's amazing. So you have 10 now, and you have their wives, you have their ministries, you have their expertise. I mean, you're talking about dozens and dozens and dozens of years of of collected experience at the disposal of pastors all throughout the country who need it. What are some of the functions that Poiman Ministries does uh, with churches that need strengthening? Well, first of all, our aim is to strengthen the pastor, and then the church gets strengthened as a result. So we've been, it's been a work in progress. When we started, it was it's, it's still all incredibly relational. But when we started, that's what it was, it was relational. We didn't know what shape it was going to take. And then I got a call from a pastor nearby uh, where I lived, and he said, can you come over and just take a look at what we're doing here? Can you look at everything that we're doing? Talk to anybody that I, you know, you can talk to about, we just want to be more effective, and I want to get a set of eyes on our situation here that from the outside, and I trust you. So I spent a week at that church and looked at everything and then wrote up a pretty thorough report and then reviewed that with him. It was only for his eyes, not for anybody else's. He could share it with whomever he wanted to, but it was only for his eyes. And thus the whole idea of a church assessment was born. 
And then I found out that other guys on our team had a real knack for this. They just love doing it. And you come in as a safe person, look at everything, give objective feedback. It's great. Yeah. And, you know, the one thing coming alongside that pastor, you're not coming in like an IRS agent. You know, you're going to bust people or report them to the head office. (laughs) You're coming along as a friend to support, to lift their arms up, to encourage them in that confidential way so they can make the needed changes and allow the allow room for the holy spirit to move in a in a beautiful way right that's exactly right and and so we've done a ton of assessments over the years and they're very very helpful and then as we continued on in our ministry we realized that there were situations that required a new pastor either the pastor was retiring or in some places the pastor died we had a number of those situations where uh, there was a immoral issue or a morality issue or a an ethical issue where the pastor had to be removed different situations uh, and so we would get a call uh, from a board member or from the pastor who feels like it's time for him to move on to the next thing in, the, in his life and so the whole idea of a church transition was born and so we've been really doing a lot of church transitions over the years, and some of the churches were ready for a good funeral. I mean, they should have been buried somewhere in a cemetery, and that would have been the end of them. Mm -hmm. But because we went in and did a transition and took the role of transitional senior pastor and worked with their leaders and were able to find a called, gifted, spirit-directed pastor who would feed and equip the flock, those churches are alive today, and in most cases, Jeff, are are thriving. So that's been very, very uh, encouraging to see what God has done that in that way. And then there have been the coaching sessions with pastors that just mm-hmm. want to get more coaching on leadership or sermon prep or developing and leading their staffs or whatever, or mentoring relationships where you know, how do I put together a sermon? How do I do this? How do I do that? And then the, a myriad of calls on just, you know, do you, will you take a look at my bylaws and see if, if they are effective? And are there any blind spots that we have here? Or, I mean, phone calls are, are regular to all of the team members and lots of, you know, just anything a guy needs. Sometimes, you know, I can you talk with my wife and I? We'd like a marital tune-up you know can you help us rescue our marriage you know because we're in trouble the ministry's put so much pressure on us Mm -hmm. you know all those kinds of things i mean the uh the subjects and the the reasons for interaction are endless but basically they all flow out of the fact that we really do love pastors and we're interested we care for people and and our and our contact with with pastors jeff is confidential it's a, it's a it's a safe place, and where do pastors go to find a safe place today? That's right. A lot of pastors feel like there is no place to go. Right. Well, I can speak for the rest of the team. It's a safe place. Also, it's a place that you are not charging them a fee. You're not making money here. This is an organic ministry, correct? I mean, this has all been born out of an organic call of God. It has. Yeah. the The pastors are actually um, self supported. Uh, we organized the whole thing from the very beginning that each pastor that comes onto the team functions like a missionary. So that pastor is responsible for his own support. 
And so he may want to reach out to churches that will support him monthly. He may want to reach out to individuals that were in his congregation and ask them if they'd be interested. Basically, we don't even ask anything like that. We basically tell people what we're doing and then just say, hey, if you'd like to be part of this, this is how to do it. Our philosophy is full information without solicitation. And when we're doing an assessment, when we're doing a transition, uh, our board has put together some suggestions on uh, to answer the question, does this cost anything? Or if it does cost anything, what does it cost? So our board has put together a, a set of suggestions for those things. But you're right. it's We are self-supported pastoral missionaries that uh, have the heart to reach and minister to pastors. Now, you have a very diverse team. I mean, when you're talking about all the various complexities of ministry and all the various uh, needs that you address as appointment ministries, there are men that you have there with you at appointment ministries that each have a different or a stronger gifting. They all have their wheelhouse, in other words, where they swing the bat. I mean, they're really good at, at cleaning up, you know, or coming in and, and dealing with marriages only or dealing with this or dealing with that. Um, tell us about the team of appointment ministries. Tell us a little bit about some of the guys there and their their strengths and so forth. I think these guys are the unsung heroes. I think they need a little recognition and also uh, that information is gonna help someone who's listening to this podcast as well. Yeah. Well, you're right, Jeff. I mean, it is a it is a diverse team and they do have their own gifts. And, you know, my role as the director of appointment ministries is I'm like a quarterback. I take mm-hmm. the snap from the center and then I look for the open receiver who has good hands and can catch the ball. And I get the ball out to them in the flat or downfield. So we have Al James, Al and Becky James. So when we're talking about the pastor, we're also talking about the pastor's wife because Mm. they are also jewels in so many ways and have much to contribute, and they often want to be involved in, in the ministry alongside of their husbands. So Al and Becky James. Al has been our leading uh, church transitional guy, he's gone into the most gnarly situations we've had to go into. And, um, and it's been at great cost to him emotionally and spiritually, but the result has been uh, some transitions that were nothing less than, nothing short of miraculous. Hmm. Uh, I, we have great respect for Al, and he's a wonderful uh, man. Pre- he pastored in Prescott, Arizona for many years, 30 years. We have Gillette Doggett. I referred to him earlier. Gillette is our elder statesman. I think he's 86, 87 years old now. As far as I know, he's still doing 100 push-ups a day. He is still strong and youthful in many ways, and he still likes to travel to to Nepal to minister in Bible colleges. Wow. So he's amazing. Uh, Gillette is is there to teach the Bible and just listen to to men uh, who want to have a listening ear who need one. John Cowan is in Bishop, California. John was in Sacramento, California for many years and then spent 10 years helping Terry Long up in Salt Lake City. And Mm -hmm. he's joined our team and now he's in Bishop doing a transition there, pastoring the church as well as being free for appointment-related responsibilities. And John and his wife, Laura, are amazing people. And John has a plethora 
of uh, wisdom, just a full plate of wisdom that he shares with guys. Just a wonderful guy, and so does Laura. They're just amazing. Mm-hmm. Trip Kimball started Calvary mm-hmm. Chapel Joshua Springs in Southern California, and he's married to Susan. And uh, he started that church and then handed it off because he went to the mission field. He went to the Philippines and served there for many years, training pastors in inductive Bible study. And they started a, a, a rainbow orphanage there. And then after that uh, role was finished, he came back to uh, Florida, Jack's Beach, Florida, to take care of aging parents. And uh, that's where they live now, and that's when he joined the team of Poyman Ministries. And he's great in discipleship. He's great in helping with assessments and helping with church transitions. And so that's Tripp and Susan Kimball. Pat Kenny was our part of our incorporating board. Pat pastored in Escondido, like I'd said, and uh, he's married to Pamela. Uh, His first wife, Joyce, died of cancer. He remarried to Dr. Pam, Dr. Pamela, a naval doctor who now is uh, retiring from her medical practice after many years. But uh, Pat is is the kind of guy that if you want to talk with anybody, Pat's the guy because he's a listening ear and mm-hmm. he has the biggest heart on the planet for pastors and he's just wonderful. I so appreciate Pat and, uh, and Pamela as well. And uh, they have been recently in Oahu, but now they're moving back to Southern California mm-hmm. uh, uh, very shortly, actually, uh, within the next couple of months. Phil and Susie Evans, Phil pastored Roseburg Christian Fellowship in Roseburg, Oregon. And he was there for 30 years and then uh, retired from that ministry and then, due to health reasons, was told that he needed to get into a drier climate. So oh. he moved down to the Palm Springs area. He lives in Palm Desert with with his wife, Susie. And Phil reached out to me uh, to see if there was room for him in the inn. And Phil is, <laughs> our, uh, is a great assessment guy. He, he is just off the charts good at assessments. And comes in and he sees a lot of things that normal humans on this planet don't see. And and he has a way about him that is so easy to be entreated. What can I say? He and mm. Susie are great. And he's been a key guy in helping a lot of our transitions as well. Brian Newberry, founding pastor of Calvary Chapel San Diego, pastored there for over 30 years and then retired from that ministry and reached out to us to see if he could be involved with Poyman Ministries, and we gladly accepted him and wanted him on the team, and he's been great with pastoral transitions. He's been great in mentoring younger pastors. He's been great in uh, just providing a great, strong leadership understanding, very good in in the area of, of developing leaders and discipling leaders. And there's a lot I could say about Brian. He's now pastoring a Calvary Chapel now in Los Alamitos, California, and there along with that is continuing to serve employment ministries. Bob Claycamp pastored in Northern Phoenix, Calvary Chapel, North Phoenix, for many years and retired from that church, and his son is now pastoring that church. And he went, along with his wife, Jeannie, they're both amazing together, to the UK and served as a missionary in, in England for a lot of years and reached out to a lot of pastors in Western Europe and in the UK He came back from the U.K. to Colorado, where he and Jeannie now live, 
And all of those, those years, he's continued in doing what he does. He's, he's good with pastoral transitions. He's really great in pulpit relief and pulpit fill and just being a listening ear for pastors. He's just a seasoned man, and his wife is a seasoned woman who really is helpful to many pastors and churches. We've got Terry McNabb. Terry pastored Calvary Chapel of Portland, married to his wife, Catherine, and Terry retired from that ministry and now is living uh, north of Portland and is focused really mostly on pastoral coaching. He Mm -hmm. received pastoral coaching when he was pastoring in Portland, and it benefited him so much he learned how to do it himself. And so he has a lot of guys that come to him and say, can you just lead me through, walk me through these things that I'm interested in growing in? And it could be a pastor who's struggling with his calling. It could be a pastor who's not sure about his leadership role. It could be a lot of different things. And so Pastor uh, Terry is really good at helping them navigate through that gives them assignments, has them come back, then the next week they meet and review, and then keeps going on from there. That's been very, very effective. A lot of guys have been strengthened through Terry's ministry. And then we have Larry Anderson, who's now in heaven. Mm. Larry, Mm. uh, I met Larry back in 1980 at Calvary Chapel, Napa. I was guest speaking at that church, or it may have been 1981. I remembered Larry from uh, my days growing up in Orange County, California, and I saw on many photos in the oh. Orange County Register, back then it was called the Santa Ana Register, mm-hmm. a photo by Larry Anderson. And when I met Larry, I connected the dots. I'm meeting you. I'm meeting the same guy who was the photog oh for the Santa Ana Register. He's a legend. He also worked for the Times. But what wow. a wonderful man. He ended up pastoring in Phelan, California, started Calvary Chapel Phelan. And uh, was a wonderful pastor, is a wonderful pastor. His wife, Jerry, a wonderful wife to Larry and a wonderful woman's minister in her own right. Well, Larry was on assignment in, in uh, Eastern Europe and had some complications due to a, a heart issue that he had had for years and died on the mission field with his mm. boots on. Mm. And uh, it's an amazing story. It really is. But we mm-hmm. miss Larry tremendously because he's such a godly man. And wonder what a wonderful example to all of us. He's in heaven. His, his wife, Jerry, is, uh, he's survived by her. And uh, she's a wonderful woman, too. And she lives in Southern California. But that's our team. We've had 11 of us. And um, like I said, it's growing as we speak. Tell me a little bit about your wife, Sherry. Uh, I mean, there's there's a help meet for you there in the ministry. You guys are very much together and very much one as you get in your RV and you go to different churches and guest speak, do assessments. She's right by your side. Why don't you share with uh, some of the listeners about your wife? Well, I've been blessed uh, mm-hmm. to have Sherry because she's such an adventurous woman. She was on the mission field. Uh, and served as a missionary, so she knows what that kind of life is like. We met when I was doing a Bible study at Calvary Chapel Santa Cruz on a Wednesday night, and we were married eight months later, and she's been an amazing woman in terms of you know being willing to be part of this ministry and loving it and being willing to travel all over the place 
our current residence is the 15th place we've lived in our oh 13 and a half years of marriage. And a lot of that is because of her adventuresomeness and her willingness to go to new places and try new things. And so we really we really have meshed. We we are a great team together. We we have a great intellectual life together. We love talking about philosophy and about mm. apologetics and about political scenarios and social issues and those kinds of things. Uh, we share uh, an interest in movies that probably came more from me. We filter our selections by the numbers of users that have rated the movies and the positive nature of their ratings and the rating of the movie itself. It's got to be, you know, PG-13 or less. <laughs> right, <laughs> for right. Us, for us. But uh, anyway, we, we, we have a lot of fun with that. And you actually converted her from being a San Francisco Giant fan to a Dodger fan. Am I right? Well, that's, that's an amazing story. I mean, she was, a, <laughs> she was a major Giants fan, and I grew up as a Dodger fan, and I moved to Northern California and served there for 30-plus years. Mm-hmm. I grew to the place, Jeff, and I know you hate this, but I grew to the place where I was actually tolerant of the Giants. Um, if the Dodgers couldn't win the pennant, I wasn't bummed out that the Giants did. Uh, but Sherry was a Giants fan. She wasn't a Dodger fan at all, but now she's she's blue. She's uh, go blue. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So when you guys go to a different state, you go to a different area, what's the first thing you guys like to do when you pull into a state? Well, we'll hook up our RV, of course, and then we'll we'll take we'll take our dog for a walk, and we'll enjoy the park that we're in, and then we'll we'll leave her in the RV typically, and then we'll go into the town and just check it out, or we'll go down the river where we're staying, or the lake if we're staying at a lake, whatever we're going to do. But we just love being with people, and uh, we love to connect that way. It just depends on where we go. We in our ministry together we've been to a lot of places so we have lots of relationships and we consider ourselves very very wealthy not in material riches but in relationships so we love to just re-meet and reconnect with people that we've had history with and that's Mm. always been great we just love that what's important to bill holdridge you know when it comes to living day by day um why don't you share with the pastors that are listening some of the daily activities and disciplines maybe that you have some personal habits that have strengthened your walk with Jesus Christ throughout the years well you know my wife kids me sometimes and she just refers to me as being basic bill there's not a lot of a comp <laughs> there's not a lot of complication when it looks right you know when it comes to that but but I have a, a, a habit ever since I came to Christ and was filled with the Spirit of, of getting up early in the morning with the Word of God. Mm. And I'm a Bible reader all through the Bible every year kind of a guy. I've been doing that for many years. And when I read the Bible, uh, I read the Bible out loud. And I pause often and talk to the Lord about what I'm reading. I ask Him questions about what I'm reading. I repent uh, for you know, in, in areas where the scripture is convicting me because of what I've just read, you know, so I spend that time in the Word. That's just non-negotiable. I I try to eat healthy. My wife is a very good cook, and she's with me in terms of of trying to eat a healthy diet. And then uh, along with that, 
uh, we uh, we both like to exercise and walk. I mean, uh, I go to the gym regularly and and take care of myself as as much as I can. Uh, we both like to read. Sherry's quite a reader, um, and and so she does, and and I like to read too. And I'm getting back into that a little bit more. Uh, we so we enjoy that. We we enjoy recreationally. We enjoy movies. We live here in East Texas. We haven't gone into gotten into fishing yet, but we're hoping to get into some fishing, and you know, fish for crappie or perhaps bass. But I'm I'm aiming at crappie because they're supposed to be really good eating, and I want my fishing to have a good result to it. So you know, the, it's a simple life. It really is. But the biggest joy of our lives, outside of just being together, is our relationship with people. And East Texas has provided a whole new arena for those relationships to form. So we we live a very fulfilled life. You absolutely have, and and that has only come through, uh, you know, serving the Lord. And uh, I mean, fifteen different places in in just a few short years. Uh, that's quite amazing, and uh, I'm sure it has. You know, it's it's kind of uh, disciplined you to live smaller too, and not be encumbered by possessions. You know, you hear the phrase that our possessions can possess us, but uh, you're kind of free of that, aren't you? Because you never know where the Lord might uh, take you next. Yeah, we've tried to be lean and mean. You know, the first place we lived in as a married couple, the second place we lived in as a married couple was an 800 foot mobile home. And uh, so we had to we had to reduce down to 800 feet, and that was great because we had to get rid of a lot of stuff. So if you buy a new shirt, you got to decide which shirt you're going to get rid of because there's no room <laughs> for another shirt in your closet, and and that's freeing. That's very freeing. So we 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 like to live lean and mean as much as we can. Uh, so yeah, it's been it's required a lot of flexibility. But you know another thing, Jeff, that's taught us more than than we anticipated and that is that we really are strangers and pilgrims here and this where this world isn't our home and you know we're going to be going to heaven soon and if soon means another 25 years it's still soon in god's economy yes you know time is this this little small dot in the sea of eternity that god created so that human beings could exist here and that he could lead them to himself, and then conform them into the image of Christ so his family could expand. That's what time is. But one day, time's going to go away, and we're going to be in the eternal state, and all things will be made new, and that could be closer than we imagine uh, to right now. Uh, So we want to keep a light touch. We don't always do a great Mm. job at keeping a light touch, but we want to keep a light touch because we're strangers and pilgrims. Yeah, I think it was Vance Havner who said, it's the prospect of death that's been keeping me going all these years. Wow. You know, just (laughs) seeing the Lord, you know, and uh, what a blissful thought, even in a conversation such as this right now, to even think, uh, you know, about that day. It's a day I look forward to uh, very Mm. much. Mm. Aside from the Bible itself, what would you say, Bill, would be the one book that has influenced you the most? What would you recommend to every pastor to to have a book if they were to choose a book what book would they have in their library this may not be for every pastor but my Mm -hmm. favorite book my most impacting book apart from the bible has been authentic christianity by ray steadman Mm -hmm. hands down Mm -hmm. and i probably think it was because of a crisis time in in my early ministry in monterey 
And I was heading in a direction that lasted about four months that was not healthy for me. It wasn't a sinful direction. It was just a fleshly direction in terms of using fleshly means to produce spiritual results in ministry. Basically striving in the flesh to do spiritually good things. And I uh, had a relationship that started with a friend who has become a mentor of mine over the years, and he introduced me to Ray Stedman, not physically and personally, but the idea of Ray Stedman, and then from that introduced me to the book Authentic Christianity. It was a life changer. And the mantra of Ray Stedman in that book is, everything comes from God, nothing comes from me, nothing comes from me, everything comes from God. And he's talking about the new covenant, the authentic Christian life, what it looks like, what the secret of it is. And I, for the first time in my life, became convinced that it's possible to live an authentically victorious Christian life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it just opened up a whole new world for me. So I would recommend that to anybody if they want significant you know, spiritual growth in the area of the new covenant, the grace of God, the work of the Spirit in someone's life. That's my favorite. And there are many others that have been very influential, but that's my number one go-to. Yeah. Now, your friend uh, who recommended that book, you actually uh, did an interview not too long ago with him on Strength for a Day's Pastor. Yeah, we've actually done a couple podcasts together. Cliff Stabler, he's now retired from his ministry, longtime pastor, then a missionary, and then a pastor to pastors uh, internationally. He would go to a Wycliffe base and spend weeks there and just help uh, help these missionaries stay afloat and thrive on the, on the field, introducing to them the new covenant, that they could experience the freedom of Jesus if they just learned the secret of walking with the Holy Spirit. That's so amazing. One of the things that really impresses me about all of you in Poiman Ministries is the fact that all of you are at retirement age or a little bit past retirement age, and you are giving these last laps, as you would maybe just refer to them as. These last laps are, are sprints now. You're, you see the finish line. You know, you're not looking at another 30 years of pastoral ministry in front of you, and now you're looking ahead, and now you see, um, you know, you can just kind of see uh, like the fig tree blossoming in your lives. You know, there's just that season that's coming, and that just really impresses me so much. And uh, I just thank God for the ministry of Poiman Ministries. I, th- I thank God for the ministry of this podcast that's reached so many people. Bill, before we leave today's podcast, I just want to do with you what you do to all of your guests. What is the word that you would like to leave with today's pastor? Uh, you have two minutes. Go. Thank you so much, Jeff. So the other day I had a question from a pastor, and the question was, how do we measure the effectiveness of our church and of our ministry, and what is the metric that we use? And I just want to encourage pastors everywhere just to use a biblical metric. Paul the Apostle had a biblical metric. His was that he would preach Christ and teach about him and warn every man and teach every man in all wisdom that he may present every man complete in Christ. The word is teleos, complete or mature. So for Paul, the metric was the believers. Are they becoming spiritually mature? 
And how do you measure that? Well, one church, after years of ministry, looked back on their history and said, we have not taught our people how to be self-feeders. So for that church, they created a new metric for their future and the way to measure their church's success and ministry. Are the people able to feed themselves with the Word of God? Which is consistent with Hebrews 5.14. Solid food belongs to the mature, who by reason of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So if you are pastoring and your metric is how many spiritually mature believers are we developing, are we fulfilling the Great Commission, are we leading people to Christ, these are the metrics. Forget about the numbers. That's God's decision. Forget about the effect and how wide the reach is extending. That's God's decision. Mm. But Mm. just simply stay at the task of equipping saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, and then look at are people being produced that are spiritually mature believers. That's the metric. That's an important thing to remember. So pastors, I just want to encourage you. Uh, Jesus' yoke is easy. His burden is light. He will help us do that. And we won't be single A. We won't be double A. We'll be major league churches, no matter what the numerical size of our churches are, if we will follow the pattern that the Bible tells us we should follow. That's our vision. The Great Commission and the Great Commandments, these are our vision. And so those become our metrics. God bless you guys in Jesus' name. Well, that's a great word, Bill. And what a privilege it is to see what the Lord has done and what the Lord is going to do beginning next week with uh, podcast number 101. (laughs) So Lord willing, if he tarries, we'll be doing this again, uh, number 200. (laughs) But uh, God only knows what the future holds. And and, uh, in the meantime, we just press on and we just keep Keep serving Jesus uh, each and every day. I'm going to hand it back over to you at this time, Bill, so you can finish out the program like you do. God bless you, and God bless all of you who serve the Lord Jesus Christ in your pastoral ministries. Hmm. Thanks, Jeff. Well, you've been listening to today's episode of Strength for Today's Pastor, and we thank you for that. We're always looking for those that have a story to tell. And I'm always looking for pastors that that feel like they need to say something or they have something to say to other pastors. So if that's you, why don't you reach out to me at strongerpastors at gmail.com and I'd love to get into conversation with you to find out if there's a possibility of a podcast interview uh, in the future. That would be a help and a blessing, I think, for many. But God bless you. Thanks for listening and thanks for joining us today. And so we just look forward to next week and hope you can join us at that time in Jesus' name. Strength for Today's Pastor is sponsored by Pointman Ministries. You can find us at pointmanministries.com. That's spelled P-O-I-M-E-N ministries.com. If something in today's program prompts a question or comment, or if you have a topic idea for a future episode, just shoot us an email at strongerpastors at gmail.com. That's strongerpastors at gmail.com. May the Lord bless you as you serve Him, His pastors, and His church.